Hello and welcome to the Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. Today our executive pastor, David Hardy, will wrap up our series going through the book of Colossians. You can follow along with this message by opening up your Bible or your Bible app to Colossians 4. You can also find our weekly message outline and many other resources on our website at brookwoodchurch.org or on our Brookwood app. Yes, let's never forget what God has done for us, huh? God is good. He is faithful. I'm so glad to be able to be with you today. Uh, my name's David Hardy, and today we're going to conclude our series on the book of Colossians. And uh, near the end of our service, we'll also share in the Lord's Supper together as a way to remember uh, all that God's done. And uh, Perry's going to be back with us next Sunday, Lord willing. I'm praying. Uh, He'll be exploring God's plan for Brookwood in the coming year. So I hope you'll be back with us uh, next Sunday. My hope today is that we will all communicate with God as we examine the Bible, His love letter to us, and as we share the Lord's Supper together a little bit later. Uh, The passage we're going to review today is Colossians chapter 4, verses 7 through 18. It's the conclusion of Paul's letter to the uh, followers of Christ at the city of Colossae. This letter that Paul has written points to the fact that the life we all long for can only be found in a relationship with Jesus. And that relationship is available to everyone. So uh, let's take out our message guide and open our Bibles Or you can swipe your phone to Colossians 4 if you're using the Bible that we have in our bookstore. It's on page uh, 952. 952. (laughs) Yes. So where is Paul when he's writing this letter? Do we remember? He's in prison. That's right. You remember what city? That's right, in Rome. He's imprisoned in Rome. You know, Paul waits until almost the end of the letter to uh, give an indication as to where he is. If you look at verse 3 of chapter 4, we we read last week, he says, that is why I'm here in chains. This is the first time we know of that he mentions where he is. It's almost like it's an afterthought to him, like it's not not really bothering him, like he's, he's content to be there. In fact, in Philippians 4.11, it it says uh, that Paul has learned to be content in any situation that he finds himself. Paul writes in Romans 8.28 that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So as I I was reading this, I was thinking, where, where does Paul get this attitude of contentment? Because I can imagine how I might be if I were writing this letter from prison. I would begin the letter, somebody come get me out of jail. Somebody come help me. I'd be praying, God, would you change my situation? It's not good for me or anybody else for me to be in prison. So God, would you change this? You ever get like that? You get in a situation and you're like, God, would you just change it? 
It reminds me of an old Jerry Clower joke. Anybody remember Jerry Clower? Yes, we need to introduce the young people to Jerry Clower. He's a Southern Christian comedian from Mississippi. And uh, I'll try to tell the story. I'll tell it quickly. I won't tell it like he does. But he tells this story about how he and his friend Marcel went hunting for raccoons. And Marcel went up a tree chasing a raccoon that turned out to be a lynx. And that lynx was tearing Marcel up. And so as Jerry Clower tells the story, he, used, you know, he, used, he says, oh, Marcel said, oh, shoot this thing, Jerry. And Jerry said, but I might hit you. And Marcel said, oh, just shoot up here amongst us. One of us got to have some relief. <laughs> so that's a great old classic Jerry Clower story. But it's, it's the attitude we sometimes have. God, just get me out of this. Do whatever it takes, Lord, to change my situation. Give me some relief. But that is not the attitude that we see in Paul. We see an attitude of contentment. So I want to look today, how, how was Paul able to find contentment in prison and in the many difficult situations that he found himself, like when he was beaten or whipped or stoned or shipwrecked? Well, obviously, his trust in God, his communication with God, was a key in shaping his perspective. But I believe in these last few verses of Colossians, we see another key to his trust in God. It was the people who were close to him, his buddies, his boys, his band of brothers, his small group. These were the people close to him. You know, our tendency is to isolate ourselves, kind of like Adam did when he sinned in the Garden of Eden. Adam tried to hide from God, Genesis 3, 8. But God came looking for him, and he comes looking for us, just like he did for Adam, because he loves us. He wants us to have the life that comes from knowing him. Well, Paul found that the life we can experience in a relationship with Jesus is fostered not only by communicating with God, but also by connecting with other Christians. When we get together with a few other believers for the purpose of knowing Jesus, Jesus promises to be right there with us, Matthew 18, 20. And so connecting with other Christians is a way to actually invite the presence of Jesus, to invite His Spirit to be among us. And at the end of Colossians 4, Paul mentions some believers who are very close to him. And I believe there's some hints here as to how Paul formed a connection with these guys and how we can connect with other followers of Christ in a way that grows our relationship with Jesus, in a way that grows our relationship with one another, and helps us experience the life that God has for us. I think some of us are missing out on some of the life that God has for us. So what can help us with that? Well, connections are formed, one, when we risk transparency. When we risk transparency. Paul took the risk to trust someone enough to be transparent with them. And we'll look at one of those guys now. He was first transparent about himself, about self. Paul let down his guard with a guy named Tychicus. So if you look in verse 7, We'll read what he says about Tychicus. He says, Tychicus 
will give you a full report about how I'm getting along. Tychicus was the guy delivering this letter to the Colossian people. So in order for him to give a full report of how Paul is doing, what did Paul have to do? What did Paul have to do? Had to tell him. He had to tell him. He had to get transparent and tell him, this is how I'm doing. This is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm going through. He had to get transparent. And I believe that's how Tychicus became who he was to Paul. And who was Tychicus to Paul? Well, if we continue in verse 7, it says he's a beloved brother and a faithful helper who serves with me in the Lord's work. He's a beloved brother and a faithful helper. He's close. He's serving with me. He and Paul have traveled all over the place together, often through some very challenging situations. And Paul trusts Tychicus enough to make him his representative uh, to speak for him, to, to let him deliver this letter to the Colossians and speak on Paul's behalf. Paul said in verse 8, I've sent him to you for this very purpose, to let you know how we're doing and to encourage you. I'm sending him to let you know how we're doing. I've, I've made myself transparent to Tychicus so that he can tell you what's going on with me. I've made him my representative. So the only way Tychicus can be his representative and give an accurate account of how Paul is doing is if Paul revealed his thoughts to him, if he got transparent. And when Tychicus conveyed those thoughts to the Colossians, it said they, uh, uh, they would be encouraged. Paul wanted to encourage them with his thoughts. Now, what if I told you today that Pastor Perry is in prison? He's not. It's not as far as I know. It's possible, but not as far as I know. What would your initial thought be if I told you Perry was in prison? Let's get him out. Is he okay? What's going on with him? That's right. Concern. Let's take care of him. Well, what if I told you that I was with him and that he's happy about being there? He's getting some good rest. He's able to share Jesus with the people there. He's got time to study for his messages. He's happy. Wouldn't you be encouraged by that? By hearing the content, peaceful thoughts that he has in his mind, Paul was able to share transparently with Tychicus his contentment, his satisfaction, his peace in his relationship with God and convey that to others so that they would be encouraged. Is there someone that you would trust enough to be totally transparent with? Is there somebody you can think of that really knows all those innermost thoughts? Is there somebody that you would trust to represent you to other people? I can remember when I began to trust uh, some other guys enough to be totally transparent with them. And, uh, you know, it was, you know, it was not that, you know, probably 18 years ago, something like that. I was an adult. It was hard to really get transparent. And I was thinking as I was uh, considering meeting with these guys, a couple other guys, I thought, you know, if I really convey some of the things I've done in life and some of the things that I struggle with, some of the things that I think about, if I really convey those, 
they're going to think less of me. They may not even want to hang around with me anymore. And so we got together and I began to talk and share and just shared stuff I had been through and stuff I struggled with, confessed and waited. And they just loved me, accepted me, prayed for me. There was great healing in that. And then uh, we let them go through that process. They began to share stuff they had been through, stuff they struggled with. And I said, man, I thought I was bad off. (laughs) You guys are really messed up. No. No, but in that transparency that we shared with one another, there was a connection that was formed. There was some healing. There was some life that was found. Also, to build those connections, we risked transparency about our experiences with Jesus, about our experiences with Jesus. Not only did Paul reveal what was going on with himself, he also wanted the Colossian people to know how Jesus was changing people's lives. And so he sent one of their own people back to them, one they would know so they would see with their own eyes how a life had been changed by Jesus. If we look in verse 9, he says, I'm also sending Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, one of your own people. He and Tychicus will tell you everything that's happening here. So Paul chose Onesimus to tell everything that's happening here. What's happening here? Well, I think he chose Onesimus because his life had been changed by Jesus. The Colossian people knew Onesimus. He was one of their own. But they knew him as a runaway slave who had possibly stolen from his master, an offense that was usually punishable by death. But Onesimus had become a Christ follower during his time away from Colossae, during his time with Paul. And Paul affirms his transformation. Paul affirms that Onesimus is now a faithful and beloved brother. And Paul is sending Onesimus back for reconciliation with his master, Philemon, reconciliation with the church at Colossae. And you can read more of that story in the book of Philemon. But Paul's sending Onesimus back to share about his experience with Jesus. And Paul knows that this will strengthen the connection between Onesimus and the Colossian church. And between Paul and the Colossian church. As we share about our experience with Jesus, there's something happens. John, who was one of Jesus' closest disciples, wrote in 1 John 1, verse 3, he said, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. John says, we're we're telling you what we've actually seen and heard, what we've witnessed. You are the expert You are the expert on what you have seen and heard. And when you share with someone what you've experienced with Jesus, what you've actually seen and heard in your experience with Jesus, then there's a bond that develops. And the glue of that bond is Jesus. Our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And when we share that with one another, there's a a fellowship that happens. So I want to practice that for a moment. I want you to think about, just, just, just for a moment, think about one or two words 
that describe something you've experienced in your relationship with Jesus. One or two words that describe something you've experienced in your relationship with Jesus. Now, I'm going to count to three. Now, some of you may not have anything, and that's okay. But some of you do. Many of you do. So I'm going to count to three, and I just want you to shout those one or two words of what you've experienced in your relationship with Jesus. Ready? One, two, three. Beautiful. Last thing I heard was forgiveness. I heard, I heard some love. As we practice that experience with somebody where we can actually comprehend what each other is saying, it strengthens our connection with each other. It even strengthens our connection with someone who doesn't know Jesus, but especially with those who have found a relationship with him to share, here's what I've experienced, even if it's something short. So how do I start the process of getting transparent with someone else about myself or about my experience with Jesus? Well, obviously, i got to find someone. And some of you already know someone you can trust like that, that you can trust enough to be transparent with. So my suggestion is get together with those one or two people and say, we're going to get together and we're going to ask each other the question, what do you want me to know about you? What do you want me to know about you? And let's see what comes out. But for many of us, we're not sure that we even know someone that we can trust like that, that we can trust enough to really reveal those innermost thoughts, to confess things that we struggle with. And so where can we find a pool of potential people that we can trust enough to be transparent? Well, if you're a high school student, first place I would look is at Crave, our high school meeting on Sunday afternoons at 4 o'clock down at South Campus. Not today. They're not meeting today, but next Sunday, 4 o'clock, go and explore. There's some people here that I can begin to trust. Men, men, if you, if you don't know somebody you can trust enough to be transparent, I invite you to come to the next men's connecting point. Not tomorrow night, but next Monday night, a week from tomorrow. They'll gather for dinner. Maybe you can meet somebody at dinner. They can help you find a mentor, a one-on-one mentor. They can help you find a men's small group. You can explore. There's some guys here I can trust enough to be transparent with. Women, you can come to the next girls' night out, Friday, October 5th. You can meet some ladies. You can explore getting a mentor. You can explore getting a small group. But the main thing is you can explore seeing, is there somebody here I can trust enough to be transparent with? Or any of us. You can come to the next sampler next Sunday night, between 5 and 6, out in the concourse. You can meet some of our small group leaders, ministry leaders, and see, is there somebody here I can trust enough to be transparent with? Or if you can't come to any of those things, just email connections. It's the title of the message today, connections at brookwoodchurch.org. Say, I'm looking for somebody to connect with. Now, you might say, I can't even take that step. I'm too shy. I'm too messed up. I've had too much craziness in my life. I don't know if I can initiate that step. I need some help getting transparent with somebody. Well, then, to make it easy for you, just stop by Ministry Spotlight in the concourse today. Our lay counselors are there today. And maybe one of our lay counselors is somebody you could talk to and begin the process of becoming transparent. And if you want to go now, They're out there right now. If you want to get up and go out and just say, 
can you help me get set up to talk with somebody? They'll be there to help you, and they'll be there after the service. We are desperate. Can you tell? We are desperate to help you make a connection with someone who can encourage your relationship with Jesus because we believe that's where there is life. And somebody can help you find that life in Jesus. So take a step if you haven't already done so. Connections are also formed when we serve alongside someone. When we serve alongside someone. Paul described Tychicus as a faithful helper who served with him in the Lord's work. But he also tells us about some others who were serving alongside him. Verse 10, Aristarchus, who is in prison with me, sends you his greetings. And so does Mark, Barnabas' cousin. As you instructed before, make Mark welcome if he comes your way. Jesus, the one we call Justice, also sends his greetings. These are the only Jewish believers among my co-workers. They are working with me here for the kingdom of God, and what a comfort they have been. He says, these guys are working with me for the kingdom of God. So who are these guys? Well, Aristarchus had traveled with Paul on several trips, including to Ephesus, where they were brought in front of an angry mob, thought they were going to be killed in Acts 19. He was also with Paul on the trip to Rome, uh, which included many days at sea, also included a shipwreck, Acts 27. And now he's in prison in Rome with Paul. We see Aristarchus faithfully serving alongside. Mark had basically been fired by Paul uh, on a previous journey because Mark had deserted them before. That story's in Acts 15. But now, years later, Paul and Mark have overcome their dispute so they can continue to serve together. And in 2 Timothy 4.11, Paul talks about how Mark is useful to him. That reconciliation has become complete. And Mark even became the, second, uh, the writer of the second gospel of the New Testament. Jesus, who is called Justice, we don't know much about. Um, I think probably his name was changed to Justice, which was likely his Roman name, just to honor Christ. Um, now, these men were all Jewish believers. And so that was another comfort to Paul that they stuck with him to serve alongside him because most of the Jewish people had turned their back on Paul. So these guys are sticking with Paul, and he says, they're a great comfort to me because it's obvious they had to get through some challenges to continue serving alongside Paul. You know, a soft bed and a warm house may be comfortable, but it's the people serving alongside us, faithful, loyal, that can really bring us true comfort. Ephesians 4.16 says, God makes the whole body fit together perfectly. He uses each one of us. And as each part, as each one of us does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. It helps all of us grow as each one does its own work so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. As you serve alongside others, even if you feel that it's a, it's a minuscule way of serving, even if you feel like, well, I'm not giving much time, any little part, any little way you serve alongside others, it helps them 
And it helps you grow closer to Christ and closer to one another. It's a great way to build connection. So how can I find people to serve alongside? What step can I take? We want to help you with that. We have a workshop called the Place Workshop. Helps you find your place of serving based on how God has uniquely gifted you. Or you can just go online. You can go to brookwoodchurch.org serve or brookwoodchurch.org events and you can find ways to serve or events where people are serving and join in and begin to serve alongside people. And maybe there also you can find someone you can be transparent with. Ask God, God, where do you want me to serve? Ask him to show you the steps to take. Connections are also formed when we pray with someone, when we pray with someone. Paul also prayed with his buddies that he mentioned here. Let's see in verse, verse 12. Epaphras, a member of your own fellowship and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends you his greetings. He always prays earnestly for you, asking God to make you strong and perfect, fully confident that, that you are following the whole will of God. I can assure you that he prays hard for you and also for the believers in Laodicea and Hierapolis. So Paul obviously prayed alongside Epaphras because he was very specific in describing the prayers made by Epaphras for the Colossian people. Epaphras is actually one of the Colossians. He came from there. He was sent by the, the Colossian church uh, to Paul to, to be a support to Paul on behalf of their church. He was likely one of the pastors there at Colossae. And Paul has this connection with Epaphras that seems to have grown in their times of prayer together. Paul knows that Epaphras is praying hard for the Colossian people. And there's a bond and a healing that we can experience when we confess our struggles specifically to someone else, transparently, and when we release those struggles to God together. There's a verse that, that describes that, James 5, 16. Um, James 5, 16. Hello? Yes. It says, confess your sins to each other. That's that transparency. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Now, it may be that when we confess our sins and pray for one another that we are physically, miraculously healed. But I think even just in that process, if you've been through that process, you know the healing, the peace that can come just by opening up with someone else about your sins and somebody praying for you, releasing those to God. There's a healing that comes just by going through that process. Do you know what it's like when you open up with someone about a struggle or a challenge and then right there immediately they pray with you? Do you have someone in your life like that? That's, there's some life in experiencing that together. You could be that person for someone else. And, and you may say, I wouldn't know what to pray. If somebody confessed stuff to me, I wouldn't know what to pray. You are in a great spot. 
Because even if you don't know what to pray, the Bible promises that the Spirit prays for us. Romans 8, 26 says, when you don't know what to pray, the Spirit prays on your behalf. So if somebody confesses something to you, if, if you say, you know, hey, man, just let me know what's going on. Let's pray together. You can just say, Father, I don't know what to pray for. I don't know how to pray for my friend. But God, would you put the thoughts of your Spirit in our minds? Let us know what the Spirit is praying for us. I believe there would be great healing just in going through that. I don't know what to pray, Father, but would you put in our minds what the Spirit is praying for us? Father, what is your prayer for my friend? I believe just in going through that process, we will find some healing. So where can I find someone to pray with? Maybe one of those people that you might feel you can be transparent with, a friend, a spouse, a small group. If you don't know anybody, at the end of the service, we have care volunteers who will be at the front, who will be available to pray with you. There's care volunteers in the care connection room out in the concourse right now. If you're thinking right now, I'd love somebody to pray with me, you can go right now or after the service. Somebody will pray with you. Every Sunday morning at 8.15, there are people right here in the front. We gather to pray together informally to pray for God to work in the service today. People have already been praying together this morning. And it's okay if you pray silently. Just getting together with someone to pray brings great connection. Ask God, who do you want me to pray with? And then finally, connections are formed when we remember others with someone. When we remember others with someone. Paul strengthens some connections just by remembering to mention their name. In verse 14, he mentions Luke, who was with Paul on many of his travels who wrote the third gospel as well as the book of Acts. He mentions Demas, who would later desert him. As we remember Paul together, he instructs us to remember the words God has passed on to us through others. In verse 16, Paul said, after you've read this letter, pass it on to the church at Laodicea so they can read it too, and you should read the letter I wrote to them. We form connections as we read and discuss God's word with others. But I think Paul also wanted a bond with the Colossian people. And he wanted to help them build a bond with each other by remembering him. So he asked them to remember him and his situation. In verse 18, he says, here is my greeting in my own handwriting. Paul, remember my chains. May God's grace be with you. He says, remember my chains. Remember what I'm going through for the sake of reconciling people back to God. Remember how God has used my suffering for good. When we reminisce about others, about someone else, it creates a bond among those who remember. A few weeks ago, I led the memorial service for my cousin Kevin. Uh, we were close as when we were kids and hadn't been around each other in a long time. Uh, so there were people that gathered the night before the service, some of his Air Force buddies and his wife, some of our family members, and most of us didn't know each other very well. But we sat and we shared memories of Kevin, reminisced about him. We shared memories of uh, his service to our country, of his battle with cancer, of times we had had with him. And even though we didn't know each other, a, a connection began to form. 
and a desire for further relationship. So as we remember someone together, a connection begins to form because of our shared association with that person. If you watched the funerals for Aretha Franklin or John McCain this weekend, you saw some unlikely people coming together and forming some bonds to remember those people. I think Paul knew that the connection among the Colossians would grow as they remembered him and remembered what he was going through for the cause of Christ. So who are you remembering when you get together with other believers? Whose name are you mentioning in positive ways or in prayer? Ask God, God, who do you want us to remember? You know, the Scriptures can help us remember many who've gone before us. And we see in the Bible that God instructs us to remember Jesus together. The Lord's Supper is a time to remember Jesus and what he did for us, what he went through for us. It renews our connection with Jesus, and it builds a bond among us as well. And we're going to share the Lord's Supper, and if you didn't receive the elements of the Lord's Supper, the bag that has the bread and the juice, just raise your hand, and we've got some folks who will come down the aisle and they'll give that to you. Be sure you get that. As we remember the Lord's Supper, let's remember what Jesus did for all of us. If you're here and you don't know what that's about, the Lord's Supper is something we do to remember that God loves us. Even though we sinned, even though we caused a separation between us and God, He sent His Son to live a perfect life so that He would be able to take the punishment for us, to take the punishment of death that we all deserved. And Jesus took that punishment, and then He was raised from the dead. And we, we share the Lord's Supper to remember what Jesus did for us. We take that bread to remember that He gave His body for us. We we drink the juice to remember he shed his blood for us so that we could be forgiven. That's the great news. So that we could be reconciled to God now and for eternity and experience the life that God has for us. So let's take a moment to remember what Jesus has done for us, for all of us, but also for us individually. And let's take some time in prayer to ask God, God, remind me what Jesus has done for, for me. We'll take some time of silence just to listen for him. Father, we pray that you would bring to our minds what Jesus has done for us. We thank you. We confess our sins to you. We seek you. But, Father, right now, in the silence and as we listen to the music, we just ask you, Father, remind us what Jesus has done for us. Lord's Supper is a time to remember. God has never failed us yet. It's also a time to surrender. In 1 Corinthians 11, 23 and 24, Paul says, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body which is given for you. 
do this in remembrance of me. Father, we thank you for the way Jesus gave his body for us with love. And we eat this bread to remember you and to surrender ourselves to you. Eat the bread now to remember Jesus. First Corinthians eleven twenty five. Paul says, in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper. He said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. Father, we remember how Jesus shed his blood for us. We drink this juice to accept the gift of forgiveness, the gift of Jesus shedding his blood for us so that we could be forgiven. Drink the juice now to remember Jesus. As we remember Jesus, we also surrender our lives to him, and we look forward to his return. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six says, For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Father, we thank you so much for this time we could remember how bad you wanted to be in relationship with us, how you gave your son Jesus so that we could have life with you. I pray that you'll guide us to our next step with you and look forward to what you will do today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for coming. Here at Brookwood Church, our desire is to assist you in pursuing a relationship with Jesus so that you can experience transformed life. One of the ways that you can do that is by getting connected here at Brookwood. If you would like to know more about the many ways you can connect with other Christians here, or if you just have any questions about who we are, you can email us at connections at brookwoodchurch.org or call us at 864-688-8326. Thank you so much for listening and have a blessed day.